Welcome to Lost Link, the podcast with Muff Barber and Yogi Nickerson, where CL data is disabled and no topic is off limits about unmanned aircraft or the United States Air Force. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the participants and do not represent the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or any other federal agency. This podcast contains some profane language and is not suitable for all audiences. Let's, so, let's hear this pretty good story, man. Um, two days ago, three days ago, I was out walking my dog. So Archer right, or Archer and Sophie, like we just go out there and we just walking let your them, dogs. I don't walk them. Yes, you, you let them I'm walking dogs. Two you, of them. You let them amble freely through the New Mexico desert. Sure, and Is Sophie chases rabbits and tar- tarantulas. Uh, no, she's lizards and rabbits. But anyway, we're walking along doing our thing. And, I bet uh, she chased a tarantula. I saw like. Like a bunch of crows. <laughs> I guess it's a murder. A murder of crows. A murder of crows, or yeah. These might be ravens. You know, I I don't know. Big pro- big pro- giant blackbirds. Probably right? crows. Either way, they're corvids. So Magpies are corvids. Yeah, magpies are awesome. Um, they're all like circling. And then I saw like one little, like much, like considerably smaller hawk. Oh. Amongst yeah. them, right? And they're all kind of circling. They're and beating up on the hawk. They're trying to, right? And every now and then, like, one's going to, like, swoop in on them. And, and when that happens, that hawk, like, tucks his wings and dips and whoop, miss me, bitch. Uh, and he's doing this, like, whole, like, air combat maneuvering thing going on. And I'm just sitting there watching this 1v12 happen above me with these birds. And this little hawk's mess, like, they're not getting them, right? And eventually he kind of bebops away a little bit and he finds a thermal that they haven't found and he starts climbing up, mm-hmm. circling, circling, circling. And I could see him and then you could see like below him all these crows like slowly climbing, slowly climbing, <laughs> riding up into these thermals. Okay. And uh, as they start getting closer to him, he starts diving on them. Oh, you know? really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Table's turned, my, yeah. the sun's behind me. Bitch. Yeah, the sun's yeah. behind him. He's got yeah. the high ground. You know, he's trading that kinetic energy <laughs> or that potential energy for kinetic energy. Yeah. Uh, altitude for airspeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And nipping at these dudes and like chasing them off and yeah. this and that. And then eventually, like at some point, it seemed like I kind of I looked away and I looked back up and he, this hawk has just like collapsed his wings and he's like diving through the formation and egressing, right? Because it, it's still a 1v12. Like you're Hans, not Hans Joachim Marseille, <laughs> yellow 14 eager, uh, attack flan. Yeah, so that, this dude for like 10 minutes was like defensive, right? Just And then like doing what he can to nip at these dudes and finally found his moment and was like, all right, I'm out and escaped. And I was just enthralled yeah. watching this whole thing happen. And it, it really brought a smile to my face. And I can understand like, even like in the pensive moments where everybody's just climbing, nobody's really attacking each other, and they're all just like p- trying to position for, you know, the next eventual attack. And the hawk's got the high ground because, yeah, I don't know, smarter. But he was also lighter, right? So he's a little smaller, a little lighter, and a bit more maneuverable. And I think designed to ride thermals and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was just a tremendous spectacle to observe, and uh, I was pleased to have watched it. But then like. I looked around and my dogs were fucking nowhere. 
they're all running around, so I'm having to yell at those guys. Uh, and then we just walked home, and I'll, I'll have that memory forever. And it's going to be, oh, God damn it. We're always lost link, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck's going on this time i don't know this is probably uh somebody overpowered hit their attenuation too low and blew the whole thing up or something like that or maybe elon musk's satellites are getting down in between us so let me uh cut that off and uh dude all right so we are we're lost link we are um turning i'm killing the cl data and while we uh wait for this to return We'll call maintenance later. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, I'm going to chit-chat. We'll, we'll just sit here in orbit for a while. Um, I think we should talk about Afghanistan. It's been a while. That's uh, our last real deal in Afghanistan. I think it was August, right? Yeah. And I'm sure everybody... More or less. In military circles everywhere, like 5,000 podcasts all went to Afghanistan, Afghanistan, right? Uh, and basically just sharing their their stories and, you know, getting closure and all this other fun stuff. But we're a lot cooler, so we wait like six months to yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about it. Yeah, to think about it and be like, all right, now that we've all had time to settle, um, I think it's worth talking about. Um, and I've, I want to start similar to those guys. Okay. Uh, and I want to know where you were. Oh. On September 11th, 2001. We got to do this whole thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the a little flashpoint bit. memory bullshit? Just, just a little bit. All right, I was in jazz band, seventh grade, maybe eighth grade. But I think John plays the piccolo? No, I do not play the piccolo. <laughs> is, that a, is that a penis joke? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's an actual... Puff, puff, actual. puff the piccolo. <laughs> yeah. The... Um, no, in that case, I was playing the tenor sax in jazz morning AM jazz band. I think nice. in seventh or eighth grade in middle school, T.R. Smedberg Middle School in Elk Grove, California, and my instructor and teacher, Mister A. Bear, came in, was very flustered, canceled band practice, and we turned on the TV and watched all this shit, holding our instruments. Yeah, and didn't didn't play a single note all day. So interesting. Um, that was where I was. I was a second year college freshman so like i had done like a year at arizona state wait what and then i yeah and then i came back to the states oh or not the states i came back to nevada and i was living with my dad who was recently divorced and he had this sweet apartment i had this giant room with this great view over the city and uh i'm sleeping (laughs) and my my stepmom former stepmom uh calls and she's like dustin wake up turn on the tv i turned it on and you know Saw that hanging out in my apartment, right? And I was able to watch it for a little bit, and I was like, well, I got to go to class. <laughs> so I got in the car and started driving to, uh, driving to UNLV. And at that time, I was like, Howard Stern was still on the radio, like normal radio, not on a XM or whatever. And so I was listening to the whole thing, like their commentary on the whole thing, and it was all just very weird. Um. So that's what I was doing. What I, in retrospect, now that I'm something of a Air Force aviator and you know something of an airman, uh, I kind of respect the unconventional use of air power. 
dastardly, right? Yeah. Taking these, you know, civilian airliners and sacrificing all these people in the back for your own political agendas, right? Um, smart. You can't fault them for that. You know what I mean? They've, they've found a hole or a, in like the defensive armor of uh, the United States and exploited it to its fullest potential. So much so that, you know, like our president is like, well, whoever would have thought that, you know, they would have flown airplanes into, into buildings. Well, sure. I mean, but we did. We did practice that, right? We had some war games that included something like that, uh, like the year before or something. Not relevant. Point is, we weren't ready for that because we didn't understand the security environment, I think. And I was, here we are 20 years, what, 20 years, 21 years later? And uh, it's an interesting moment in history, I'll say. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're looking at me like, like I'm supporting Hitler here. Um, no, nope. no, I'm just thinking. Yeah, all right, fair no. enough. Um, no, I agree with you. I think uh, I wanted to write an essay for a long time called the the, me- the metaphysics of modern terrorism, talking about the yeah, not not saying that it was exactly clever, but which it is, but more so that there was a whole religious dimension about sacrifice and the body being less important than mere life. Right. And and, and there's a whole spiritual dimension to, um, and then, and that by committing to that moment wholly by the, by the self-sacrifice of your body, like for the cause essentially is something that Western civilization has long not had a value that, that really demanded that as directly for its own. Um, so I was very interested in that at the time. Um, there's a certain purity in that moment. Yeah, exactly right. And then that, there's a whole understanding. There's a dimension of that too that comes from their more their religiosity uh, that we have a hard time understanding as well. So, yeah, we didn't understand the security environment. We didn't understand the the religious environment, or like you know, or the metaphysical environment and the way that other people would view this technology. And we have uh, so yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to lead in with this, but I, uh, I think you would bust my balls because I know your your stance on you know historical military philosophers, <laughs> right? Um, I don't have a but, stance. Yeah, you have a stance, right? But so no, I don't think if no. you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. And finally, if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you'll also come in every battle, right? Sure. Yeah, Sun Tzu. Yeah, got you. Right. Um, it's, we didn't, I don't think we really knew our enemy at that time. And I think there's an undercurrent of this, of not knowing our enemy throughout the entire engagement in Afghanistan. Or maybe we, we, kind, we think we understood them. But we certainly didn't know when we started, right? We thought we were just going to go in there and smash up a you know a few places, kill a couple guys, be like, all right, you guys are out of power. We're in power now. And But we didn't understand that they live here and that they're 
their religious commitment to this entire thing is on another level beyond what like you know u.s forces are able to present or maybe even defeat well and then there's the whole thing with whether there are the Taliban synonymous with the Osama bin Laden and oh, Al Qaeda, yeah, right? that, that gets, and like you could get that right, gets like tricky, and right because like <laughs> I don't think the Taliban are as religiously committed to all that stuff in the right. same way, right, or for to the same ends. Um, I I agree that not understanding the enemy is part of a big piece of this puzzle. But for me, when I think when I think about Afghanistan, there are two things that are really interesting. Why the hell did we go there in the first place? And and that's really more of a que- the first that question is more about us not understanding ourselves. Like you mentioned, not understanding the security environment. Yeah. I think understanding the modern technological world and what that means, which we can get into here in a little bit, is is really the reason why we got into it. It has to do with '90s complacency and not and feeling untouchable and not realizing that technology is a double-edged sword that if you have man wields all this power to his benefit, it can be turned around on you in ways that, you know, it's not always about curing penicillin. Sometimes that destructive force, the ability to extract and manipulate raw energy from nature can be turned back around against your benefit, you know, to hurt you. Similarly, like encryption. Yeah. So you can encrypt all of your messages on Sipper and you know, high side and all that other fun stuff. That's all great. And it protects your communications. But your enemy also has that capability, and encryption is commoditized. Like, it's all free. You know what I mean? So, consequently, even the Taliban and everybody else could just be encrypting their messages through, you know, Signal Messenger and stuff like that. And we, the, literally, the NSA cannot crack this yeah. encryption. So, like, everything is a double-edged sword where you think you gain that also enables your, your enemy, right? Yeah, and then the other question to me is, why did... Why did it take so long to end it, right? <laughs> yeah. right. And because yeah. I think we all knew that it was going to end like this at some point, at least subconsciously, if not consciously, suspected it. Why yeah. did it take 20 effing years? Yeah. So that's the other question. I, mean, I have a theory. That's the other question that I think is interesting, but let's focus on the first one first yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so why? So there's a political... Why did we go? Yeah. So there's a... So, right, ostensibly, right, we got attacked by terrorists to, you know, 2,000 people died, uh-huh. right? They, and that's a big, big bad, right? And I don't think it is. If you think about it, it is bad. Certainly But bad. it's not 20 years war bad. Yeah. It's not 20 years war with no real gain being achieved or no real defined objective being achieved bad. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask yourself, if it wasn't a rational thing, what was driving the irrationality of of that decision? Oh, we just got punched in the face. Yeah. Well, someone who has been the champion boxer for the last t- <laughs> 10 years at least. At least. Right, wearing I, mean, the, I mean, honestly, yeah, go back to the, the f- World War II. World War II. Yeah. yeah. But, like, we had another guy in the contention. Like, the Utah Jazz getting punched down by Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they're good, but we're, we're punching down on the USR. <laughs> yeah. USSR, yeah. Uh, and now there's no jazz, right? We're just the bulls, right? And yeah. we're really used to that, right? Yeah, so there's, a pol- there's, there's there's political complacency there, where we feel, yeah, you know, we've talked about it before. But like we got articles from Francis Fukuyama talking about the democratic peace that is becoming really popular in the '90s, yeah. where 
everything's politics is going to stop history is going to stop essentially international <laughs> yeah, politics yeah. is going to stop yeah and everyone's going to democratize that's the way the wave of the future arcs towards democracy we're on our way to star trek <laughs> yeah exactly right and that was a huge punch in the face that that whole political mindset or that that vision of the future was not squaring with reality that it was an abstraction out of reality and we did not like that because we had started to drink that kool-aid and, st- and we liked the way it tasted, right? Yeah. And then it was just a stark reminder, politics is going on. Still happening. Pe- other countries, other people still are willing to shed blood for existential political means that we don't agree with. And they might view us as being in the way of that ex- you know, of, of that goal that is worthy of an existential sacrifice. And we, sp- we spent all this time focusing on uh, Iran, Russia, China, North Korea. We forgot about like, there's still other people out there that have some, you know, negative opinion of us and want to punch us in the face. Yeah. You know what I mean, they're going to try and find ways to do it, and they finally got a backer to be able to do so. So that's on the political aspect of of the complacency, but there's a there's a technological side of the complacency where there's shock that an airplane, which has been used to open up the world for us mm-hmm. right that it's a, a barrier that we have shattered it's made the world much much smaller and, and made the world smaller and accessible and life more convenient and it's wondrous and mm-hmm. people can do it for recreation can suddenly be yanked out of that positive more civilian purpose that that beneficent purpose turned around against us and thrown right at you right that yeah. that the te- and Really, it's the idea that technology is just amplifies our power, both as human beings and the energy that we wield almost like wizards, right? But our, our goals, both good and bad, have remained unchanged. So our ability to affect each other is much, for, for better or for worse, much, much more, is much greater, right? The amplitude yeah. on all that stuff. And... We do not like the idea that technology is not just about improving our lives, right? That it's suddenly, it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And we did not understand, when you said that the, we did not understand the security environment, to me that's, we did not understand the modern civilizational environment where if you want to have all of this stuff, right? You want to have modern cars, you want to drive, you want to... Rapid communications. Rapid communications, all these other things. And we can see this in so many different fields, right? If you, The positives of all of this come with an attenuating cost yeah. that is inescapable, right? You cannot have your cake and eat it too with this stuff. It is the cost of doing business in the modern world. If you want to have all these positive things, you want to have a modern civilization, you, you have to accept that sometimes it might be possible for an, a human being to harness that power and blinker out of existence 2000 people yeah. right and that is just a reality you are going to have an uncom- a deeply unsettling uncomfortable reality that you are going to have to deal with if you want to wield the power pow- literally the power of the gods it's the cost of doing business yeah the power of the gods in terms of the ability to manipulate nature for our own benefit yeah and we had never fully reckoned with that <laughs> yeah. we still have not right <laughs> no, but of we but not. that was our first conf- <laughs> that was really our first 
confrontation. The nuke actually is really our first confrontation with that question. Uh, nuclear weapons yeah, and mad. Yeah. But that kind of got sequestered or cloistered off as like this one-off problem. Yeah. But like that, if we both have nukes, then we won't nuke each other. Okay, so we're just going to put a little partition box around that. But it actually affects everything. It just took time for that to bleed over into everything else. Where now, right, open communications, right, we get propaganda, right, to talk about something that's very much on Americans' minds these days. Propaganda from other countries bleeding into our communications, China, Russia. Yeah, and all sneakily, these right? Like Facebook buying right. off things, right? But if you have an open society that can communicate rapidly, you can com rapidly affect this propaganda. Right. And it's harder to check and follow up and gatekeep this stuff without going authoritarian. So this is why China has all of their own versions of all of these things, because yeah. they block all that off. Yeah. So there, we could talk about China on another episode. There yeah. are Their model has benefits in, in the modern world. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I'm not saying it's the way, but we have to acknowledge that their model has benefits with stuff like that. It has negatives too. Yeah. And I think we have a case. But anyway, plowing ahead. The, right, pollution... Is a is a thing with with all of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Plastic environment great, right? destruction, the huge seas of plastic. Right, that, those are that pollution is going to happen as the as the inevitable necessary cost of doing business to have the world that we have and the convenience and the power that we have. Right. There is no and and you can extrapolate that out into a thousand different things. No such thing as a free lunch. Yeah, there is no that the power that we've accrued is not free, and we were woken up to that in um, it, on September 11th, right? Early a, September 11th, in <laughs> a way that in a way that we had never like in a very immediate. From, so I think we had there was a political complacency. Yeah, I think there was a kind of metaphysical understanding of technology and our place in as one of the progenitors and leaders, vanguards of this the Western civilizational yeah. technological spearhead. We had to deal with that on one morning. And it was spectacular, right? Like yeah. explosions and buildings coming down, and it was yeah. just completely overwhelming. So I can understand, like, our initial response, yeah. right? It was like this super emotional. But it's coming from those places. Yeah. But, like, even though you don't understand it at the time when you're yeah. looking at it, it's coming from that, right? And then also just the raw, we got attacked, like, tribal thing, yeah. right? Like, the tribe down the road just, you know. Yep. chucked a Molotov cocktail into our village <laughs> camp, right? And so there's a visceral human reaction to that too. When we need to step back and look at 2,000 people died, two buildings came down. Are we going to wield the most awesome military in the world for 20 years with no clear objective just to, well, throw, just okay. to, throw, a temper, okay, just to throw a temper tantrum? Great. Excellent. There was, I think there was a clear objective mm -hmm. at the start in September. So that's why by like the end of September, we had special operations dudes on the ground in northern Afghanistan, you know, doing the Northern Alliance yeah. thing and like teaming this whole thing up to go get Osama bin Laden. This was about Osama bin Laden because we yeah. knew that he was kind of the architect. Punish him, deterrence, all Correct, that. Correct, right? right? So in this case, like, Makes sense. great, you can come out, hit us, 2,000 people dead. Great. We will find you wherever you are, and we will get you, right? Mm -hmm. um, fun fact, in October of 2000, there was an RQ-1 looking at Osama bin Laden in uh, Tarnak Farms, which is just south of Kandahar. Um, couldn't do anything about it. 
but we have video of it, and that has that has made it out into a uh, thing. So it would have been nice, you know, a little counterfactual. What if we had been uh, been able to pop them uh, right then in October of two thousand? Was September eleventh, two thousand one, never have happened. Who knows? So anyway, we know that Osama bin Laden is like the guy uh, behind this whole thing. So we get our spec ops dudes on the ground uh, to go find this dude. We know he's like trying to escape because you know, obviously, like it's hard to like slip these guys in unannounced. You know what I mean? Word gets out pretty quick, um, and so he's working his way through the Hindu Kush over to Pakistan and we try and take him out in a, a battle known as Tora Bora. Right. And Robert's Ridge happens. And we re- we slowly in those moments start to realize that, Hey, we probably need more people. Right. So I think the initial response was correct. This mm-hmm. is a special ops type of thing. Put some, you know, hard to detect aircraft above to provide you some air support because I mean, it's Afghanistan. They don't have an air force. They don't have any, yeah, no air power. It's free reign, right? Um, we can maneuver through the the Pakistan Boulevard, get our airplanes in there to do whatever needs to be done, right? And keep this on a very tight focus. Yeah. But at some point, right, we're like, well, the Taliban they supported Osama bin Laden, mm-hmm. right? And we treated their hospitality like allowing him to be in this their country as this like tacit. Uh, like they were tacitly agreeing with the operation that he conducted from Afghanistan, right? Mm-hmm. Which is prob- probably not necessarily the case. You know what I mean? Like there's a whole undercurrent, uh, or, or the the Islamic religion is full of like hospitality. It's just like a kind of a core uh, to it. So I suspect that they were just like, "Hey, you're we're." We're Muslim, you're Muslim, you're welcome in this Muslim nation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And left it at that without getting like too deep into the, oh, you want to go kill Americans? Awesome. Like, you know, it's not like Osama bin Laden went to him and said, hey, I want to come to your country. I want to park over here. Uh, probably not told him. They didn't give him the whole fucking executive brief (laughs) on like, hey, this is what we're going to do the Americans. And by the way, they're probably going to come in here and try to F you up, right? Correct. F up everything around here. Correct. Yeah. But we tied them together. Yeah. And we said, well... The Taliban are bad people because they supported this whole thing, and we decided they have to be booted. Out they go, right? And we get in with the Northern Alliance, and we roll through, and we kind of push the Taliban out because they don't have much of a... They're not good at fighting, you know, force on force. Yeah. That's that's not their style uh, because they don't have any gear, right? And then, but we slowly realize that, like, they're still taking pot shots at us, killing us, and, you know, things are going, and we start flowing more and more people in there to try and stabilize things and build up all these big things. And now we're, we're like getting committed. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is like, you've got seven, two on the flop. You caught a seven. You're like, Hey man, I might get another card and you start betting. Right. And you get pot committed. And at some yeah. point you're like, ah, shit, I can't get out of this hand gracefully yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That might be a good analogy. Cause I, I, I agree. I, I would have. I would have loved it if we had just stayed at that, um, just with that limited response. That yeah. would have been. That would have been the perfect response, right? And, yeah. and like very deliberately resist all of that stuff. Seems to me like you're saying that you think it kind of incidentally or na- nascently or incipiently or whatever adjective you want to use, insidious onset of 
the insidious onset there of, was an insidious growth yeah of commitment and personnel yeah. and growth like mission creep yeah so i i think yes but it's not i think it is still related in the substratum to that larger those larger civilizational underpinnings that made it easy. It's like, uh, you know, you're going back to the girlfriend that you shouldn't have, shouldn't be. Oh with. yeah. Cause, Cause it was like hot you. and, and you, emotional. And, and you will, like, and you know, and you know, you shouldn't, <laughs> and you know, you shouldn't, but, but, uh, and, but like, and you're, you're talking, and she, you meet her for lunch, right? And you're, you're talking to her and you're like, you know, we shouldn't, and you're hold on. I'm like, we're not, we're not hooking up. We're not hooking up. We're not hooking up. We're not hooking up. And you, but like in reality, you know, you just a little, the and little, that, that little, the little, like, that little bit of thing. Yeah, fuck it, I'm doing you, it. You, we're doing it, right. So that's why I think, right? It's like because of all those civilizational costs, we were just begging for any reason to get involved and to democratize this place, right? Yeah. So yeah, it did happen. Like if you wanted to look at the immediate actions insidiously, yeah. but my thesis is that it's driven by these larger civilizational shocks, if you will, sure. like the shell, the civilizational shell shock of that, yeah, there, which multiple. we should have been smarter about. We should have known better, right? But we didn't sure. because we we are we, you know arrogance is bliss, right? So <laughs> right. The um, right. I want to quote George Kennan, who is a uh, political scientist theorizer responsible for the policy of containment, which is yep. a pretty realist policy, right? We're not going to get involved in all these countries. Yeah, we're not going to try to take out Russia, but we're going to contain them. Yeah, right? we're going to play zone defense. Uh, in the Cold War. Yep. And so he said, he had this to say about uh, democracy. I sometimes wonder whether in this respect a democracy is not uncomfortably similar to one of those prehistoric monsters with a body as long as this room and the brain the size of a pin. He lies there in his comfortable primeval mud and pays little attention to his environment. He is slow to wrath. In fact, you practically have to whack his tail off to make him aware that his interests are being disturbed. But once he grasps this, he lays about him with such blind determination that he not only destroys his adversary, but largely wrecks his native habitat. So. That's a fine quote. It is a fine quote. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a very good quote. The, um, the onset of all of this stuff is just um, the... Yeah, it's, it's, it's just the, an incredible... It was, it was like a freight train, and it almost, it, like, looking back, it's almost, like, inevitable, right? We, we yeah. In, in the sense that over, yeah. over the years, like, our local, like, national politics have, you know, continued to slowly degrade, but is this something John Adams would have gotten involved with? Is this something that... No. They were all about right. limited conflict and, and, right. and balancing... But they would, they had not been drinking the Kool-Aid of not been, you know, uh, reading their own propaganda about how awesome they were at the time. Yeah, of course. Because they were much in a much more tenuous nation, one nation among many other powers, right? So they had to play smart. They were not addicted to hegemony yeah. in the way that we were um, and still are in some ways. We're still grappling with that whole problem. Yeah. But the... Um, this was the real wake-up call where hegemony led us, the desire for hegemony and the inability to really buttress that with like a, let's think about real politic. Let's think about what makes sense and not overextend, not, we are, even though we're the best players in town, best team in town, we can still lose a match. We can still, of course, we can 
still get our asses handed to us. We can't just do whatever we want with impunity and not think we're and think everything's going to come out fine every single time just because we are who we are. That's how you lose games. Fucking America. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Why? Of course we can do this. Why not? The whole arc of history is bending towards democracy. <laughs> is this, so. Isn't this about the time that uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone came out with? Uh, <laughs> what was that movie? Uh, Team America. Team America. World America. Police. I mean, it's after Fuck that. I think. Yeah. I don't know the the dates on it. Yeah, it's um, spoofing all of that for sure. But so, what do you make of our inability? Like Russia just went through this, right? We gave Russia their Vietnam. And they're in Afghanistan, right? By yeah. supporting the Mujahideen. We gave ourselves our own Vietnam. Yeah, right. So, so. what, like, is it just arrogance? And, like, yeah. we saw what Russia did, and we were like, ah, Russia sucks. They couldn't they couldn't tamp down all these religious fighters there in Afghanistan. Uh, but you know what? We're America. We could do it. Like, what, was, was there an element of that? Like, we were, like yeah. there's just that cockiness? Yeah, um, I mean, right, and, and yeah. I mean, silly. And like, why did we not think? Well, we they they lost the Cold War. We were the winners. We were the winners <laughs> yeah, of the Cold it's War. True, right? It's true. So. And that was the largely the end of it, right? Like yeah. Afghanistan. I think they left in '89. Yeah. Right. Um, Maybe broke their backs. Correct. So they we had to know our military planners and stuff like that had to know that when we get involved there, Russia. He's going to do everything to like just turn it right back around on us, right? Because they knew that we were giving the Mujahideen missiles and stingers and, and crap to shoot down all the behind helicopters and things like that. So why? I remember in like 2018 maybe uh, it got out that, that the Russians were supplying night vision goggles. <laughs> to, the, mm. to the Taliban and to, to various people. And our generals were like, this is very on a... <laughs> unprofessional and you know we're, we're looking into the fact it's like of course dude i know you got to say that for like the for like the real world yeah but of course they are yeah. of course they are yeah. <laughs> so i mean i think i think there's a certain amount of political arrogance but i uh you know i'm gonna get on my get out my axe and start to grind it here yeah there's a certain amount of uh philosophical political philosophical uh naivete and <laughs> arrogance and naivete however you want to look at it right that that comes with that too yeah of, of understanding history and the condition of man and how it applies to us uh leo strauss was writing about this in the freaking 50s and 60s yeah political philosopher type actually gets blamed for a lot of neocon stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. even though that's see, a, the, see the common enemy image guy no. um I don't that uh, like led into neo like neocon stuff. Yeah, a lot of people who were part of the Bush administration claimed that they were Leo Strauss fans. Yeah. And read his stuff, but in my opinion, <laughs> if you're if you're a neocon, you didn't really read it very well. Yeah. Right? Just because you read some dude doesn't mean that that dude is, and then poorly understood it doesn't mean that you uh that that dude is responsible for your bad decisions, right? But right. Leo Strauss is blamed for a lot of neocon stuff. So ironically enough, Leo Strauss said that Western man is a blind giant in that we have all the power in the world, the ability, the literal power of the gods. The gods, the Greek gods were gods because they knew the ways of nature and could exploit it in ways that human beings couldn't, right? Poseidon knew the ways of the ocean and could yeah. unlock it, use, its, use it to its fullest potential. Human beings could just get on a fucking boat. Right. Yeah. That was the why Poseidon was Poseidon. We have the power of the gods, literally. 
as the Greeks understood it, right? We unlocked the power of the ocean in ways that man back then couldn't. Right. But we still have all the same, because but that has made us arrogant where we don't think about our our animalistic goals, tendencies, like are just the stuff that human beings have always done, the part that's never changed about human nature. Yeah, human beings are willing to go murder other human beings for material gain. On the both on the per, like more immediate domestic level and and uh, you know international on the international stage and sometimes just for revenge yeah and uh, and that's never going to change right and and we have to build societies and politics around those realities right to contain them and flow with them yeah. right rather than just assume that these things are, don't exist right yeah and man right when he said man is a blind giant Western man is a blind giant. We stop in our arrogance. We stop paying attention to historical, oh, okay. and political, okay. philosophical lessons, yeah, yeah. and thought we were separate from the rest of humanity. And like all of the what happened to the French Empire, what happened to the British Empire, what happened to the Greeks, what happened to the Romans. Right. None of that shit matters because we are America, and we are awesome and different and better with all of our technology. Yeah. And we're just asking for it. And September 11th, we asked for it, and we got it. And and then we threw a big fucking temper tantrum that we were just begging to throw that temper tantrum, right? Yeah. We tried to have a limited response, but we were just like, come on, we, just we, we couldn't say, restrain say ourselves. one more, give me, give me one, <laughs> give me one reason to go full yeah. democratization and, you know, uh, country, country, mom. give me one reason to jump into bed with this, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you gave, you took a pot shot at me. Yeah. Let's do it. Trillions of dollars. Let's go. <laughs> right. Like it's just like, <laughs> and so, that is what is fascinating about it for me. And, the, and we are still grappling with that yeah. question about technology and how does that apply? How does history still apply to us, even though we have more power than all of these historical cases ever had? And, that's, and we can talk about it in relation to China and other Russia nah, and nah, stuff nah, too. Nah, not, nah. not now, but in a future podcast maybe. Yeah. But, uh, that that I think is the answer to the first question, for me anyway. Right. It has to do with all that. So why, why did we why did we just beg to get into this quagmire? Yeah. So once we were in this quagmire, uh, clear like the the airplane, the best defines the years two thousand one to twenty twenty one. Was obviously the MQ9, right? Uh, or the MQ1, then into the MQ9, but that MQ series. Um, yeah. That is the plane, that is the, the air power of that war. Yeah. yeah. Right? By, by like a long shot. By um, a country mile. Yes. Um, we can go look at the EKA numbers and just the mission impact that the AQ-9 had relative to fucking everything else, and it's insane. It's exponentially larger. And, and just look at the number of hours it was put up, right? Yeah. Like, well, and the, yeah, the death toll, right? Or, right, whatever. Yeah. So clearly, that was the the airplane. Um, do you have any choice experiences or stories that you would want to share of your time flying MQ platforms over Afghanistan specifically? Uh, no, the flying was sexier in OIR. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, because like, the, the, the gloves were off over there, right? Yeah, in fact, <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, that was uh, 
when we when the twentieth transitioned from MQ ones to MQ nines, there were a couple tactical or airmanship errors that happened in the twentieth with the end of our MQ one time, right as we were transitioning to MQ nines, and we went we were primarily OIR, yeah, plane or squadron at the time, and then all of a sudden it was like nope. AOR swap, all of the 20th lines are flying out of, flying in for Afghanistan. Yeah, now. you guys suck. And it was like. viewed, well, it was viewed as a big <laughs> kick in the nuts, right? Yeah. Like you're being taken out of the, re- the real fighting and the real flying and pushed sure. to Afghanistan. To Syria is super important. Like, yeah. Well, that's, it's just because it was CAS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Ground, JTAC, ground party, CAS. Yeah, yeah. Versus. Kinetic ISR. Okay, there's a trigger. Boom. Blow yeah, it offensive, yeah, yeah, more yeah. offensive stuff. Um, Afghanistan, I mean. Boring? I mean. Is that uh, how you would describe strikes, it? Strikes, collateral. I would say like collateral calls, working extremely hard to not hit the people we weren't intending to hit, yeah. right? Uh, is what stands out to me That is most. a lot of work. Right? Yeah, it's way harder. <laughs> it's most way harder than thing. just swacking the guy. Yeah, it's, and what's way, funny, it's, it's way harder just than just swacking the guy, dude. So you like the modern, uh, so twenty four hundred nine software has that ability to like drop a a range ring, right? Yeah, um, the ellipse. <laughs> yeah, the ellipse. That would have been very useful in yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's unfortunate that we didn't really get it until like right at the end. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> you know what I mean. All right, sorry. I do, I do have a, I do have one. Let's hear. It. So I was flying with Sergeant Walling. I don't know where he is, old head, when I was <laughs> yeah. relatively new. Oh, I love old heads. Yeah, uh, awesome dude. And we got pulled over, and I, I, I later learned a lot more about this strike after we had got her done. <laughs> but the um, we got pulled over, pulled on a strike bridge, told to do a TOT, or not a TOT, but like we'd just strike this guy and moved, and it, like, it was very rushed, right, because the vehicle was going through green terrain, yeah. and they wanted to get him now. And so we go to do it, and there's one other person in the stack, an MQ-1 Charlie. <laughs> and um, we turn on final, and there's no backlighting for the laser energy. Yeah. And we for, both... For, we, for, the new, for the new, you know, members of our community who might be listening, indicating that the, the aircraft is not receiving that reflection... Mm-hmm. And able to like say yes for sure that laser energy is getting to the ground because it's getting all the way back up to me. Yeah. So as this is why we're turning to final. And as we roll out on final, I get clearance and then I mute the VOSIP box and I look over at Wall and I go, "What the f- fuck? We don't have backlighting. We're gonna go off dry." And he likes. He was like. He was like. He just stopped for a second. He turned and looked at me like looked at me straight in the fucking eyes <laughs> and was like, "That laser energy is out there." It's not bumping around. I am. This is a software issue, mm-hmm. right? We the laser that missile. I think what he said. That missile will see that laser spot. Do it. And I just looked at him. I was like that with that confidence. I was like, I boom, boom, <laughs> came off. <laughs> click, click. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I sent it right. And uh, it was the longest twenty five seconds of my fucking <laughs> life. I felt like. Uh, and it got all five of the people in that car. Yeah. I got lit up by the patch afterwards. 
because my thought process was I didn't want to buddy laser with the MQ1 Charlie because yeah. I've seen too many recently where they just like fucking forget to turn their laser on even though they say oh, yeah. lasing quad ones and that's never comes on. So I was like, I, I would rather do this than pull them in to beat the buddy lays option. Right. But the patch, the 20th lit my shit up over, you know, not coming off dry and getting the, uh, getting the, uh, buddy lays option. But did up. he even give you like a good job? No, no. You still fucked up. No. Let's talk about no. it. No, 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 just a, no, just to fuck you. Like it was, <laughs> it was, and then, uh. Um, but I knew, I knew that I, I had notched those bedposts, you know, yeah. one, two, three, four, five. And I'm not ashamed of this. I kind of thought about it. Yeah. I mean, cause right, like take pride in what you do and we're all trying to go after stuff. Right. Um, and just do this without awareness, dog. Like this was a crew decision and I trusted. Yeah. And I sensed my learned, experienced sensor. Operator. Yeah. And I sensed learned a fuck ton about how the ARS data is updated by the laser ranging data and all that other stuff. Right. Yeah. And how that how all that works and what that means and why what we did was probably the correct, you know, probably going to guide, but there was a small, very small chance that it wouldn't, which is why they, you know, because like you said, laser energy is down there and we know it's good because it is getting all the way back up to me. Yeah. There's a couple reasons why it couldn't, that might not be because the laser energy is bad, yeah. but it also could be, and we can't, we don't have a way of verifying for sure. So might yeah. as well just reset. Right. Yeah tactical patients right well i mean we've seen numerous like strikes where there's yeah lrd low power yeah <laughs> right you know that's, and, yeah. and crews are just like spitting on it and sending it right they're just like click click <laughs> off it goes and it yeah. hits the target because the yeah, hellfire yeah. is awesome and yeah uh, anyway uh turns out that that was a pretty high hvi yeah for the afghanistan theater nice that I had no idea about at the time. <laughs> and it was carrying four suicides. The, dep the deputy, like another guy who was like probably number two or three HVI, as yeah. well as three suicide bombers who were all uh, sto uh, loaded up and they were dropping them off. Yeah, yeah. And so it was a pretty big deal. And uh, I felt extremely good about the fact that I fucking did it. It was a self-laze. Yeah. No one else shared that glory with me. And that the patch was mad at me, and I fucking is like, and I notched it. And my I ball, stole my balls are hurting, but I feel yeah. good about it. You no, know, and it no, feel better. And no, it made me feel better. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> and and that that patch sucked. Uh, he was tactically incompetent when he actually got in the jet, and I fucking stole a strike from him two months later anyway, and I felt fucking good too. <laughs> so because he sucks so bad. All right, press. Um, <laughs> I have a number of stories. I won't belabor uh, the point, but. Uh, when I started flying MQ-9s in 2012, it was a low point, super, like, slow. The 42nd was not blowing anything up there, flying Gorgon Stair, a lot of ISR, a lot of SIGINT, etc. Um, in one magical, like, two-night period, I happened to be on the one line that ended up shooting both nights, right? Uh, first night, I uh, was dropping dropped my first GBU-12. Um, and this was, like... There are SEAL teams on the ground, I think. I don't know. Maybe it was just a task force unit, and I was Dude, a, I a never, young, stupid lieutenant who didn't really understand the difference at the time. <laughs> I never dropped a fucking bomb, dude. You're all right. It's fine. I know, because we were white, <laughs> white men is a 
global strike command base. Like everyone yeah. made a bigger deal about dropping ah. the bomb and the lanyard and stuff. I never got the freaking lanyard. It made me really sad. So sorry. I'm like supporting this like infill and these guys are like earlier in the night I literally watched like dudes like tag somebody and then walk up to them and start like rooting through their vests and their pockets and stuff looking for like identification and stuff and I kind of watched this whole thing happen and it was surreal seeing that this dude is dead on the ground and people are rifling through his his clothing right uh having just killed him and then later on those same guys were maneuvering uh from one position to another and they continued down like this little wadi and i could see this guy hiding behind a like a wall like just kind of sitting there um and what was probably traditional wear um and the radio comms at the time, like with this this ground party, were terrible because I didn't have direct comms with the dudes maneuvering. I had comms with their uh, uh, command element, right? And so I'm trying to call this dude out to this command element, who's then trying to relay via you know hand radio over to the dudes actually walking. All right, John, get your get your ice in there. And you didn't get me any ice. That's not very nice. Um, and they. This team of like four or five dudes are walking up and I am like spinning up missiles and I am I am ready to roll to like light this dude up who's sitting behind this wall. Um, and eventually he just pops out, pulls a pulls an AK out from under his traditional wear and starts firing at these Marines and or not Marines, but uh these special operators. And that video, those dudes were seven meters from each other, based upon like the post mission, like pause the video right here. Let's take a still frame, uh, measure that shit out. Seven meters, these dudes are tagging it at each other. And uh, <laughs> there's your, there's your <laughs> thank you for the ice, John. Ice. And uh, like I remember that very clearly. Um, and then that same sortie later that day, I was dropping a bomb uh, on some dudes that were, you know, shooting at these these guys from behind some rocks. Um, I'll, I'll never forget that sortie. Uh, I will also never forget the very next night uh, where I'm supporting a, a Marine in the fill, a Marine in fill into uh, just to the east of the Kajaki Dam. Uh, west of the Kajaki Dam? No. What are we doing? I'm trying to have you dump some of that in here. Oh, Jesus. Maybe. Jesus. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, so these Marines, there's about 80 of them infilling via, like, CV-22s and helicopters and stuff into a position just west of the Kajaki Dam, which is, I don't know, 20, 30 miles north of Kandahar-ish. And uh, I'm the only MQ-9 overhead. There's also a B-1 who is monitoring, like, this infill, and he's, you know, doing scans with his sniper pod, and I'm like, dude, I don't know how much it costs to fly a B1. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But it's a lot. Yeah. And this guy is doing the same fucking thing I'm doing right now. Yeah. This is this is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Um luckily I was on the side of the the stack that was mon or the, the side of the the rods that was 
I was monitoring and we found these like, it's, it's like three o'clock in the morning. We see like three guys walking. Mm-hmm. They go into a building and then like an hour later, they come out with a rug, <laughs> you know, over their shoulder. They're just like trucking along. No, no big deal. You're like, I haven't seen a weapon. These guys have a rug. Mm. I'm like, uh-huh. It's three, it's three 30 in the morning over mm. there. <laughs> like, I know mm. what this is. I know what's how I know what's about to happen. But, but what'd your screeners say? It, yeah. They, they didn't call any of that out. Right. They, you know, possible rug, <laughs> possible cylindrical object. And like, listen, Dude, man, I, I get it. I had, I had screeners with mortar tubes that were actively firing. Right. I had a screener saying it was a possible cylindrical object with kinetic capability <laughs> because he did not want to say the fucking words mortar tube. Yeah. And I just called the JTAC direct at that point And I was like, dude, all right, this is a mortar tube. I've got another story about having it out with a, yeah, sorry. Being better than screeners. Yeah. Um, sorry. I just, anyway, these dudes the, walk- the rug thing just reminded me of just, <laughs> It's not. These, it's not that I don't. Dis, it's not that I dislike Intel. I just don't like screeners. So sorry, these, sorry guys. These you suck. These guys walked over <laughs> to a position about you know 150, 200 meters away from these uh, Marines where they were setting up their like initial like command post, and they set up this little tripod. And I'm I'm talking to a JTAC this entire time, and I'm telling him, you know, what's going on. And he's like, all right, cool. We'll wait for the first round, right? So I'm in in position and gearing up to strike these dudes. Um, boom! You know, first IR blast up on uh, my IR camera because, it's like I said, it's dark. And uh, then he just calls me up. All right. You know, whatever that call sign was, uh, cleared hot. And inside of, you know, a minute, that weapon was off the rail and turned these dudes into pink mist. So in two nights in a row, I got my first GBU and my first Hellfire. Boom, boom. And then the squadron was dry for the rest of the time that I was there. It was awesome. I loved it. Now, let's talk about screeners real quick. I was watching, I was watching this thing. Like, so I have a benefit, right? Because I get to sit in this sortie for six, seven, eight hours sometimes, right? And I'm intimately, much more intimately familiar. The screeners are swapping out like every 30 minutes. Because the screeners are a team of two. There's a dude just literally looking at the video. I think it can be a larger team. Sure. Well, th- well, there's there's a guy watching the video, and then there's a guy sitting next to him who's typing up what that guy is saying, mm-hmm. right? And then there's a whole, like, team behind them mm-hmm. of, like, you know, I don't know, admin support and then, like, the shift lead and all this other fun stuff. Sure. But at, it, at its core, the screener that you're talking to is two dudes mm-hmm. acting as one dude, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I'm sitting here, I'm watching this sorting, and I'm like, I see this guy, like, fucking around. Like, there's, like, a break in the wall, to, like, into a compound, right? So this is basically, like, it's probably 40 miles west of Kandahar uh, on a Gorgon stairline. So I don't have any weapons to do yeah. anything with, but we're, we're monitoring, and I see this guy, like, crouched down at, like, the entrance to this compound, and he's kind of monkeying with something right on the wall. Yeah. And I'm like, this dude's planting a weapon, or he's arming a weapon. He's doing something. And at the time, there was this TTP where these guys were, like, moving rocks along roads or on pathways, right? Are you familiar with this? Yeah, no. Four. So they would take four sizable rocks, and they would put, 
if they were like on the side of the road, that meant it was clear to pass for all the locals, right? And then if they evenly spaced them across the path, that meant it was not safe to pass because there was a weapon armed somewhere in there, right? So I'm seeing this dude monkeying with this this wall. I'm like, there's... This dude's planting a weapon. And the screamer's like, well, I can't confirm this and this and that. And I'm like, dude, he's planting a fucking weapon. Yeah. Uh, unable to confirm, blah, 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 blah. Hour and a half later, we're, we're still scanning in the area because we moved on because this guy left. And in that immediate vicinity, I see those rocks evenly spaced across the way. But now I have a new screener. And he's like, Okay, cool. Four rocks, right? And I tell him, dude, rewind tapes to this time because I took note. I was I'm jotting that shit down. Like, rewind your tapes to this time and tell me that dude is not planting a weapon. And now I've got four rocks across the road. Tell me that's not real, right? And uh, turns out it was. Sent some dudes out the next day, found it, disarmed it. And like that sense of pride of uh, like, internals was tremendous like yeah. i wasn't blowing things up but there, there's like a sense of i know what i'm talking about here i've been flying this rpa for three effing years over this country in this particular part of this country i know what i'm looking at and i know what's happening screeners suck is the point well and they, and they don't suck they are limited by their yeah there's two things there's <sighs> yeah there's two things it's the uh, Right, it's where the where the burden of proof is, or the presumption of what we're doing. Right, so are we we trying to are we trying to stop all things from happening, and we're okay with maybe getting it wrong sometimes, or would we rather have some things go through, but we want to be right every time we go? Yeah, right. So the the screeners are for the latter case, right? Maybe some bad shit happens, but whenever we go, we are right, right? That's very yeah. different than an all-out war mentality. Because yeah, they don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, because right? getting it wrong is different, right? As opposed to we we always want to be, we want to prevent everything, and sometimes we get it wrong, right? Yeah. We want to action stuff. So that would be more in like a full-on war scenario, Yeah, right? Um, but I always knew that screeners are part of the team, right? It's part of the doing business at a certain right, right. point. So I actually would always re- take time to murk them, whisper them, Figure out their name. Yeah, yeah. Bring uh, you them know, in. bring them in, right? So that yeah. they're a little more inclined to work with me than just be like possible cylindrical object with kinetic <laughs> potentiality, right? Like, go fuck yourself. Were, dude, were right? you around uh, when they started doing the? That that actually was an incident where I decided that I was like, you know what, never again. And the only way, because the screeners aren't going anywhere. Yeah. And actually, I think they should just like I think we talked about this before in episode one. About maybe bringing them just back to the squadrons and making it less external. Yeah. Right. The all the imagery analyst part. But they weren't going they're not going anywhere in the short term, right? So that incident with the mortar tube was where I was like, all right, I'm just gonna have to go out of my way to like CRM the fuck out of these guys into making this a little yeah, more a member being, of your being, team. Being a little more bearable and a member of you know, yeah, my team. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh Always trying to, I have a couple of other instances where I was like, no, screener, I've been looking at this for six hours. I know what I'm talking about. Rewind, check, tell me, re, re, reassess, please. Right. Um, but that's the only thing you can really do is try to get them on board uh, with you. Right. There was a time when the screeners were in Afghanistan, 
particularly, they were receiving cockpit audio, but they couldn't talk to you. Mm. So it felt very like they don't one sided. I don't think they receive it anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know if they do or not. Yeah. But but that's what the crews were like. All right, well, fuck that. Whoop, mic up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, cold mic everything. <laughs> yeah, cold mic everything. Unless yeah. I'm on a strike bridge. Yeah, that dude's not hearing anything. Screw yeah. him. Because all they're really going to do is like take that as evidence of like, well, I said we should do this, and then the crew did this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I don't have the same ability yeah. on the other side. So yeah. This is this is uneven, but that's that's all beside the point. Um, okay, but so MQ9s, MQ1s, doing stuff like that for many many years when almost twenty. Yeah. Or twenty, actually, yeah, twenty years. No, but just longer. about damn longer, right? Because like I said, there was RQ1s over there in two thousand. Yeah. Okay. So longer than twenty years. Let's talk about wrapping up. So why? I want to hear why? Why do you think we stayed as long so as we did? I used to think, and this is what I told everybody, whoever asked me, give for Yogi's hot take, which is a very valuable hot take, by the way, if you can't tell. <laughs> the um, mint it worth its weight in gold, baby, by Yogi hot takes. The um, what I used to think was that Afghanistan, given its proximity to pakistan to iran to even china it's really centered between all three of those that essentially we were just a it's just an exercise of a power projection in which we wanted to have some bases set up in kandahar and uh jbad where we were going to just essentially have air power that could reach out and be a threat or just a power projection onto Iran, China, and Pakistan, all in the same area. Well, that turned out to be a big bust when we actually pulled out. So, uh, you know, retrospectively thinking about why did we stay, I think just pure momentum, pure inertia, pure bureaucratic inability to or, you know, un- the unwillingness to, like, take on blame or be the one that... That sh- lost. That lost. Yeah. And we saw that's a significant cost. We only need to look at the Biden presidency and, frankly, how much water he took on with what happened there. And yeah. there maybe were ways to do it, but there was no... He was going to take on water for that, right? Then mm-hmm. he, he took, I think he took on a lot more water for the competency of it, but I don't think there was any escaping that amount that he was that Pete was going to be criticized. I think a lot of generals and politicians accurately assessed that the American people were not going to forgive whoever ultimately pulled the trigger on that. And but it was just waiting to happen. It, it was a failure that we just hadn't quite said it was a failure, right? We hadn't started taking a knee in the football right. game, right? We're still running plays even though we're down by 30 points, right? And everybody knows the game is over. But we haven't like admitted that to ourselves, right? And like you know, just been like we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're bowing out, right? Right. And the American American people were never gonna forgive the person who did that, right? It's the patent thing. Americans like a winner, so you know, right? All that kind of stuff. So, um, you yeah, right, you're moving your jaw. I'm gonna. Right, so you, the, you have you have the pens, sir. The so George Bush gets us involved, right? He wants to go get. Saddam Hussein, because Saddam Hussein tried to kill his daddy. 
and was also a you know something of a a destabilizing influence in the the rest of the middle east and you know that's all that's all valiant and and good and whatever and we we changed our focus right who gives a shit barack obama comes in and in 2008 he's like we've forgotten about afghanistan you know in his his very distinct way of talking and basically like has a surge and starts throwing more troops in there yeah, right ne- never do a barack obama impression again that's pretty terrible <laughs> I, oh i'm sure it was it was very bad I, it wasn't that was, even that was tad it that wasn't was, practiced the don't even try man <laughs> just, just like, <laughs> <laughs> so barack obama throws all these forces in he basically commits <laughs> I'm himself just, I'm, I'm, just being a dick. The, I'm just being a dick <laughs> I'd like to hear your Barack Obama impression. Uh, um, I would have to practice. <laughs> exactly. But I know better than not to try <laughs> without practice. So Barack Obama commits a bunch of forces to you know surge in Afghanistan in 2008. So basically putting his lot in with Afghanistan and saying, I am the Afghanistan president because the prior one was not, right? Um, he can't very well pull out at any point subsequent. Like we've gone in there, we've kind of smashed it up, we've kind of wrecked this country, removed, you know, their, you know, terrible government, but a government nevertheless, right, that was kind of running the show. And we've smashed this place up, and we can't very well just be like, well, we smashed the fuck out of this place, so uh, it's not going well. So, all right, you know what? See ya. Sorry. Didn't work out. Well, you can, and that's what we did ultimately. Well, well, right, but Barack Obama couldn't do it. No, because we went because he's because he's a Democrat. Because he went back in, committing more yeah. forces yeah. on this grand idea of democratizing yeah, this place. Exactly. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. He's he's part of the demo- democratization Kool Aid. As, as did Bush. The, the correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. So, so Barack Obama's unable to like pull out, right? Um, because he committed early. And it would look terrible, and he'd take on a whole bunch of water, and the whole Democratic Party would be, you know, up Shit's Creek, which, you know, turns out they were anyway. And we get <laughs> Donald Trump in place, and he wants to pull out, right? Like, that was one of his, his things. He wanted to get out of Afghanistan uh, because, yeah. you know, he could see that it was not going anywhere, right? As, as did Barack Obama, I am sure. But he was... Bes- Donald Trump was beset on, you know, all sides by other political issues that he wasn't able to, like, gain the political momentum to be able to, like, pull that off, right? Um, Slash, some people would argue that some of the generals and the political apparatus (laughs) didn't didn't want to be the ones to have that happen on their watch. Correct. So, yeah, so you've got a bunch of four stars who are charged with, you know, winning this, this war, and it takes them to be able to accept defeat which is hard to do, right? When you, you, you're a four-star general, you've been winning your entire military career, right? Yeah. And so now at this point, like you don't know what it is to lose because that's what it takes to become a general. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a consistent record of win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got like sidebar, I think failure and learning how to deal with that and understanding it is what makes you a better leader. Mm-hmm. If you just win, 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 you don't know how to deal with failure. And, and failure is inevitable. It's going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I And agree. sidebar. Uh, so these guys don't want, like, they're not going to sit there and be like publicly, yeah, we're boned over here. If I could get out of here now, I would. You know what I mean? But, you know, this president's not letting me put, withdraw my troops. 
they're not going to do that because the president's the chief and uh, commander in chief, right? And so they can't do that. So if the president and the commander in chief wants to continue this this fight as their duty to the nation and to the president to continue that fight and attempt valiantly to achieve those goals, right? Well, no one's a, no general is going to come back and say, "Hey, I think this is we've lost this war." And I'm going to make recommendations that like we can't achieve these objectives, right? Yeah. They're 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 forwards, they're offensive players, right? Yeah. And some the, the military is right, like until they write smart their, and, huh? <laughs> until they write their memoirs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole that's a whole other discussion, right? About the uh, the service, the senior leaders of the service, uh, yeah, and their their commentary when they retire or even when they reach the pinnacle. Right? Yeah, yeah. These days, like the the Overton window, the bar is lowering for what generals can say <laughs> yeah. about politics, but um, in their capacity as generals, no less. But anyway, the uh, right, they're they're forwards, they're they're offensive players, right? They're trying to score goals, right? Their their goal is to salute and try to get it done to the best of their ability right, right? to, to say like hey your goals are wrong even if they are wrong like from a military perspective this can't be done you don't want to be the like even if you're working in a staff job if you're working for a commander in your own unit if you're the guy that always says this doesn't make sense or this no, won't this work there's no this can't happen you might even be right in most of those cases but if you say it too much you're just not on the team right and you're just not being the guy who can get shit done for the elite boss, right? Yeah. So it's on the bosses to ultimately Saying make that no decision. does not get you promoted. Yeah. Now, a little bit can, because it can show judgment and all that stuff, but you have to be very judicious about how you do it. And you also can't say no to the big ticket items either, yeah. right? So no, like just by structure, structural analysis alone tells us that a general is not going to be like, hey, sir, I think this doesn't make sense and resign, right? Or they could resign, but generally speaking, it's not in their DNA, right? They're, that was a four-star general. They're going to try like, to fucking do it, right? I'd be like, yeah, this isn't worth it. I'm out. Yeah. I resign. I quit. You're probably not going to make four-star. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because that's... Uh, <laughs> that and, is the and, wrong attitude. And it might be because of that, the personality that allows you to say that. Yeah, but how high... Like, what are you, what are you chasing at that point? Yeah. Uh, Why can't you just be like, this is boned this I isn't gonna happen you're, you're chasing glory you're chasing Patton. you're chasing eisenhower yeah you're chasing hap arnold i think yeah. i think really is what all you're chasing. these glorious guys from the past who did achieve yeah you're, yeah. Cha you're chasing those people um now they're not gonna get there right we don't have world war ii correct but that doesn't mean they're not trying and they're not that's not implicitly on their mind so that's that's the other really that's the second interesting thing is like what was the momentum what what were the causes of that momentum when it was clear that we were never going to democratize this place right it's afghanistan say spread out like it's rural not a country, real country man. not a real country <laughs> with rural concerns and yeah. no and and then the obviously everybody knows about the the religious uh difficulties of installing a democracy in a, in a highly islamicized country yeah country. a very highly islamist top country down yeah not even like the taliban in afghanistan is not particularly islamist right they're more rural 
than say like mm-hmm. you know Saudi or certain aspects of yeah, Wah- yeah. Wahhabi Saudis and stuff like that, right? Yeah, um, or Iran or anything like that, or even Iraq, right? But the uh, just a, like it'd be like trying to make uh, the Mongols, you know, Mongolia a democracy, right? Like yeah. it's not. I mean, maybe they are fuck on paper. I don't know, right? But I just or ancient Mongolia. It's like trying to make ancient Mongols a democracy. It's the same thing, right? They just yeah. spread out rural people with some warlike tendencies and local concerns. Mongolia obviously wanted to go take over China and shit, so maybe that's not. I'm gonna step and out. I'm gonna step, Russia and Europe. Yeah, I'm gonna step. I'm gonna step. Right? I'm gonna step out of this metaphor because <laughs> I'm fucking it up. But the uh, but you know the the point is is that they were not post World War II Germany or post World War II Japan, right? Ready and willing to take and like so much has been said and written about that, right? And so it's obvious that that was not never going to happen. And I think a lot of us knew just how fast the pretense of democracy and the government of Afghanistan that we had propped up, the Afghan government, how fast that could go up like a tinderbox. Yeah. Uh, once we removed our, our buttressing support. Yeah. But everyone still act. A lot of people still acted really shocked, right? I wasn't surprised in the least. No, I wasn't. Either. I was like, yeah, they're just gonna like come out of the woodwork, take over all the ECPs. Yeah. The Afghan army is gonna throw down all their shit and just disappear. And just disappear because why the fuck would we get killed by all these people? Right. And also, by the way, everybody hates us because we work for the Afghan government that the and, Americans and the Americans, supported. yeah, yeah. So why would I do this, right? And 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 guess what? The Americans aren't paying me anymore. Yeah. So. Cool. There, there was a time uh, where, like, pulling up some of the SIGINT rooms was a big thing, right, on in these Merc channels, right? And one of those Merc rooms I was monitoring one night was picking up, like, uh, push-to-talk radio, and, you know, the translators t- typing in what they're hearing, uh, et cetera. And I read one of them, and I was like, these guys get it. They understand what's happening, and we're never going to win this thing. It's not possible because this this radio com that this SIGINT package picked up that this translator translated, uh, like I don't have it here in front of me, uh, but it basically said, brother, you should join us. We will always be here. They cannot be here forever. And when they leave, we will still be here, right? So he was like extolling this some guy somewhere that joined this fight, joined this Taliban, this anti-American whatever fight because we live here, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they don't. So if you're throwing in your lot with these this external power, they're not going to have what it takes to do this. You have to live here. Which basically means that um, if America really wanted to do this, yo, dog, you're setting up permanent bases. Yeah. Airfields. You are committing to this, and you are turning this into little America. Yeah. And that's going to take you generations. Yeah. Not just 20 years, but we're talking 60, 80 years to turn this place around. That's what I was saying earlier. was like that was just power projection, pseudo-colonial is what we were doing. Like that's what I had assumed yeah. at a certain point because I'm like, yeah, we're just gonna be here building this shit, 
keeping tabs on Iran, China, and 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 uh, Pakistan. Right in the center of all yeah. that, right? This is where literally Afghanistan Well, the is. entire time that we were doing that, we would have had to put up with, you know, locals being funded by the ISI and Iran, yeah, yeah. et cetera, right? But I assume that's what we were, pot shots but I assume that's what we were trying to do, yeah. right? Like uh, that we were doing some pseudo-colonial shit. Like we, like we had some next-level vision of like, yeah, we understand we're going to be taking pot shots and it's, this is worth it. And we're power projecting yeah, into yeah. that area, <laughs> right? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, but that, that's what I assumed, like, maybe there was going on. That's what I was yeah. saying earlier when you stepped yeah, out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then when we, when we pulled that, I was like, oh, I guess that theory is wrong. <laughs> like, so it's just about bureaucratic momentum is what I think it comes down so to. So here's a question. Yeah. And this is, is going to get some people hot, I think. I, th- I think, and I'll give you my, per- my, my perspective. I think... I clearly don't know this for sure. Joe Biden knows he's an old man and knows that he has one term. He only came into this for one term. As a one-term dude, he's able to pull the Band-Aid, like just rip that thing off and say, we're out of Afghanistan. It's happening. We're doing it. We're doing it now. Right? And he's willing to take on all that water that you described earlier. He goes, fuck it. I'm done with politics. I, I have I have peaked. You know what I mean? I've been doing this thing for, I don't know, 50, 60 years he's been in politics, right? Um, and he's on the way out. He can't go any higher, and he doesn't want to stay. So he's he knows he's going to lose this next election. I don't even think he wants to try yeah. on the next one. And so all these presidents prior to him were in a position where they could not do that because they're trying to save face for some reason or another, right? And then, of course, Donald Trump just couldn't do it because he was bogged down in, you know, pee scandals and, you know, <laughs> what whatever else this guy was getting into, you know, this week from one week to what? the next. Hey, did you remember when he first, like, got into... Yes. <laughs> and it was like this this whole thing where he... Yeah, like, it's an ongoing thing with the Durham investigation about, uh, with the, with the about Russian how that was made up by the Democrats. Yeah, it was totally made up. Of course it was. Yeah. Of course it was. But nevertheless, he's bogged down in all this stupid nonsense, right? Because everybody's trying to, like, the whole left side of, you know, the, the Senate and... I thought, I thought we weren't doing left versus right. We're not. But the whole... They're clear he was bogged down in some things that he couldn't get around to just pulling that trigger to get enough out of Afghanistan. Sure. Fine. Because they were actively fighting against, like, trying to do that. Because once he's getting, he wants he's to getting do other it, stuff done. Remember, once yeah. he wants to do it, the Democrats are like, whoa, we don't want to do that. That's terrible. They just want to oppose. You just yeah, want to be opposition. And vice versa, yeah. Correct. And vice versa. So, consequently, when Joe Biden does it and it's sloppy... It was, well, this is a terrible way. We never should have left this and that. And, you know, this was a terrible way to to get out of Afghanistan. I was like, dude, sure. it was all, there is no way it was not going to be that messy. Not possible. Not, not possible to begin with on the face of it, right? So consider this. We are obviously the declining power in Afghanistan. Like, we've made this statement that we're going to get yeah, out. Yeah, sure. Right? And we're like, oh, it's going to take six months for, 
the Taliban to come out of the out of the hills and make it into Kabul and blah blah yeah, blah, 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 blah blah blah. Turns out six weeks, right? <laughs> you missed it by an order of magnitude. I mean, I think that's the point, right? That they were they were that far deluded, yeah, in, how, in their in their assessment of the timelines when fucking MQ pilot, MQ nine pilots know better. Yeah, yeah, we knew better, right? Yeah. Um, like forgot but in that moment while we are like pulling our forces back to Kabul International Airport and we're like setting up our own little perimeter and we're yeah. we're dropping our commitment outside of that perimeter, right? Like, hey, it's over. We're just getting everybody here. Everybody get to the airport. We're going to get you out. The Taliban and who whoever it was that wanted to like move in and take power, they needed to step up and start shooting as much shit as possible and like try to be as violent and like like give the image that they were pushing the Americans out. You know what I mean? That they were powerful enough yes. to establish some sort of legitimacy with the population that remains, right? Yeah. So it was always going to be that way. I don't care if it took six months or six weeks. It was never going to be ordered. Mm-hmm. Not pot, Just never going to happen. Because the no, longer we dragged it out, they I were just going to uh... be more and more and more aggressive. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a straw man. I don't think anybody's arguing that it was going to be "quote unquote" ordered. I think it, right, less, the whole the whole less, of the internet is like, more ordered, re- relatively less of a shit show. Yeah, but I mean, it's all neither here nor there. Yeah, it it it's unimportant, but it was always going to be that way. And we, were, I mean, it's just like us pulling out of. Yeah, it was never going to be clean. I don't know if we had to be covered in mud head to toe, but dude, yeah, of course we we had to. That's the way it was okay. in Vietnam. Yeah. We left Vietnam I think if you from had the a... top of the embassy on a helicopter that couldn't even land, right? Like, yeah, it, those images, these types of conflicts result in that all the time because there is no clear objective and there is no clear winner slash loser. All right, what's next? <laughs> no, yeah, I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give it to you, yeah. Um, yeah, it was never going to be clean. I think uh, I'm not willing to really let the president off the hook for some sure. of that stuff. And for basically what I would say is having a terrible intelligence assessment of the timeline. Maybe they knew behind closed doors. I think they were take. I think they were believing what they wanted to hear with sure. like the op- you know looking at the optimistic assessments as opposed to the pessimistic assessments, and then planning accordingly to mitigate some of that right yeah um i think they were completely delusional if they thought the afghan government was not gonna go up oh like like, like paper right <laughs> yeah. just in an exhalation they were gonna be gone right? correct and 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 that the afghan army was gonna like stand yeah. up and fight for any of this yeah. stuff is- and so it might be them just saving face and saying that and then they just do it right like i don't know right yep so we stayed in Afghanistan probably much longer, right? Largely as a... Right, than the couple-month uh, special ops mission that we Yeah, that had. it should have been, right? Yeah. Because remember, like, we found Osama bin Laden in 2011. Two years. So this would have been... Let's see, I was in Iraq at the time from January to May. So I think in April. Yeah. It was probably April 2011. We found him and my girlfriend, now my wife, uh... Told me that we found Osama bin Laden. I wasn't like staying up on the news because I really didn't care. She's like, I was like, oh, no shit. <laughs> and I had to like go to work and like look it up and be like, oh, damn, we actually found him. You know what I mean? Um, and that was achieved through intel channels, not through any military channels. 
um, and long term. That's so Intel and Special Ops. So ultimately, it became we achieved our initial goal with Special Operations. Yeah, but in the Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, right, right, and in, in but but in the preceding ten years, we had built up this massive force in Afghanistan to like democratize the place and turn into like this little Western hamlet. You know what I mean? Amongst all these, yeah. uh, you know, backwards Islamic nations. Uh, well, and the geopolitical heavy hitters that surround Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Um, so ultimately, it ended up being like we we achieved our goal with the means that we set out to achieve it. Yeah. But in the meantime, we had gotten mired down in this this morass of, I don't know, I don't know how many thousands of people we had over there, but it was a lot. So much so that you couldn't just like pull out the next day and be like, all right, well, <laughs> we, we, we got our man. Thanks for nothing. See you later. And leave this place in a complete desolate shithole with this paper government. You know what I mean? Uh, and so we were screwed. Yeah. And so we stayed for another decade. Yeah. George Carlin had us a bit, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically like, why, why is all the, uh, why is all the language surrounding, you know, our involvement in these countries, uh, the language of, uh, frustrated sexual teens, like, should we pull out? Should we stay in? Should we go deeper? Right? Like, you know, like, and he's like, he's like, it's all, it's all just, you know, he's, you know, he's just take it. Like he's got, it's brilliant bit, but it's, uh, yeah, it's freaking ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> he's like he's like oh can't st- we, we uh uh he's like we can't pull out we got to surge back in you know like <laughs> only pussy, only people only pussies pull out of the you know, you know, it's just like, george george collin uh yeah. was i don't want to say ahead of his time he was like definitely like on point uh in he's the so much of his he's the great in my opinion the greatest stand-up comedian of all time some people give it to Richard Pryor. Yeah. Fair nah. enough. I, I think it's George Carlin. Yeah. George Pryor, uh, Richard Pryor preceded yeah. George Carlin by a little bit. And it's very different comedies yeah, yeah. that they're doing, but Seven Dirty Words You Can't Say on TV. Dude, great. So, <laughs> do you, what do you think we, as an American political body, learned in Afghanistan? And do you think... We will be able to translate that into current conflicts. Are Ukraine we, is getting hot. So are we gonna? Are we going to? Right. Are we going to talk about uh, whether we failed or not? Yeah. So. Or do you want to talk about this first? No, no. We could. We could talk about. We could talk about that. So big. Did we fail? In Afghanistan, or are we going to play the political game of, like, the military political game of, like, well, we would have won, but we were constrained by politics, right? Because the same reason that we, quote, lost in uh, Vietnam, right? Mm -hmm. It's basically the same thing. We're conducting limited war. Can you win limited war when you're fighting against somebody that's, like, going to live there forever? And then if you want to take Simon Sinek here, can you win the infinite game when you are playing a finite game? Because that's what we were doing, right? 
Yes. We had a finite thing that we yes. were trying to achieve. But God. Our... <laughs> I know the military loves Simon Sinek. And like military that, leadership that, loves Simon Sinek. There's been people Sinek. talking about the infinite game and the finite gamers. <laughs> Uh, it's not it, but it's not wrong. No, it's it's a, it's fine. It's it's <laughs> not bad. It's just become cliche for yeah. me. For me anyway. Oh, for sure. I if mean, someone starts talking about the infinite game, I go, oh, dude, dude. I, w- I wish I could have been at Whiteman when Simon Sinek came over to Whiteman. Oh my <laughs> did god! Did you go to that? Fuck no! Uh, I, I deliberately dude, you should have I, gone. I deliberately did not. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sucking this guy's dick. Yeah, sit in the back and be like, oh my, yeah, like he, you got to know your enemy, right? So says well, actually, I think at the time I didn't even know who it was. Gotcha. And I don't know. I he, just, he was peaking at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Colonel Pine was very excited, and I just, I just couldn't get. His premise, though, I don't think is incorrect. He applies it to the business sense, right? The business world. Um, in this case, in Afghanistan, we were interlopers, right? We were hoping to go in there, set up this other government that was going to, like, you know, be our little puppet for a while and then, like, you know, establish some dominance and be able to turn this whole place into a democracy. And next thing yeah. you know, ladies are wearing shorts and whatever else. But we had this, like, very, like, timeline-centric thing. The Taliban and the locals that were fighting against us did not. They had a much longer perspective. And this has been like a case in all of all of the Middle East. Yeah, uh, all, all the finite and the infinite game is, like, saying is make long-term investments right and play yeah, play, yeah. play for long-term sustainability not for quarterly profit or limited military objectives right Correct. like it's not that fucking profound right but it is it is sound but it's not profound i guess is what i would say yes like, I, I know that you yeah. chafe against these guys that say like these these simplistic things that everybody else just like and it's not jerks off to it and, night it, when and they it's get not home. their fault it's <laughs> right? the fact that everyone else is jerking off to them so hard yeah and it's because they yeah. haven't read their fucking plato <laughs> right and it's why you know what i'm saying like they haven't read their goddamn the allegory of the cave they haven't read they haven't read cicero you know <laughs> they haven't read julius caesar's things uh diaries right like it's just like this shit is we're just rehashing all these old ancient philosophers right yes yes yeah. we are yeah, yeah we're doomed to do so for great profit in yeah. Simon Sinek's case, yeah. right? <laughs> so I understand well, your disdain, but his well, message part, is not wrong. And part of art is to refresh that which was true but has grown stale, yeah, and to repackage it in a, the the truth in a way that can be consumed for a fre- re, uh, in, in a, a modern in a, in a in a fresh way in a modern right? context. And that and that is a uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge talks about that with, when he's talking about cliches and what the purpose of art is, is to refresh old truth and make it new for a new day, right? Uh, Because if you say the same thing over and over, the human brain does cliche everything. Clicheing is a problem, right? Like something is true, it could be so true that we just toot it out or like become disinterested in it. You can't just call it a pilot crisis for a decade. Yeah. Like at some point you're just like, all right, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And you have to, you have to find a new way of re like if you want to refocus attention on, you have to repackage it and resell it. Yeah. And in a way that captures the imagination or can communicate the severity of that problem. Um, that that's all so i mean yeah simon Sinek is fine it's just yeah, slightly annoyed <laughs> i get slightly annoyed at the the lack of deeper things like yogi's just classical everybody else it's like taking this dude's message wholesale yeah without being like ah, i know where you got that from bro yeah, yeah 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 so anyway in afghanistan 
would you say yes that we lost yes yeah yeah, yeah. so clear so, i mean clearly people right? people are going to try to argue like <laughs> you know well did we fail like uh, well i like to turn the question around right did we win and no one's going to say yes to that Right, almost no one. Yeah, I don't yeah. know who could. Right, unless they rewind to 2011, right, and be like, "Well, we got to." That, that was right? the that was the real opportunity, wasn't it? Yeah, to just be like, "Yoink, we're out!" Right. Yep, that was the real opportunity. Um, but anyway, but you would have had to leave behind a ton of broken glass, and we weren't ready to do that. Because and 2011 is an election year. Com- oh yeah, yeah, it was. One, they right? they were campaigning that year, right? So that was Barack Obama's second year. Uh, demo- second campaign. One of the co- <laughs> one of the costs of democracy, baby. Interesting. Well, a Republican or a Democrat would have done that, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. That's but just one of the things with democracy. No one was going to take that when they were looking for a reelection. Yeah. Um, in fact, we cannot pull out. We must surge back in, right? That's the only thing. <laughs> that, the, uh, um, the yeah, no. Especially once you start looking at. Are if we set our own tack, if we're creating our the tack objectives we gave ourselves, yeah, a democratized Afghanistan, yeah, no, it didn't happen, right? Yeah, clear, put a put clear. a red minus next to that bitch, right? Yeah. Like a big fat one. We got Osama bin Laden, big green plus there. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and then you know, mission objective, more stable region, blah blah blah. I think red minus, right? Well, yeah. So, well, that depends. Well, I mean, it depends on which. Will the the Taliban bring more stability? There is having, is having a terrible government that controls that whole region better than having a basically lawless part of the world. I mean, weren't they running it anyway before? In small pockets and all over the place. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I'm not as up on my specifics of all that. So I mean, it depends on how you want to grade it, right? I, I think mean, the '90s in Afghanistan were were fine. I think I think a democratized Afghanistan, like a semi secularized or less less radical religious, right? Less la- radical, less radically religious potentially. Although I don't think that's necessarily as big of a factor in Afghanistan to begin with. But some sort of semi secular, democratized Afghanistan was the goal. At, yeah. You know, at a certain point. Yes. Uh, that was trending towards modern Western civilizational values. Yeah. Did that fucking happen? Hell to the fucking no, right? And did we waste a whole lot of money to not get there? Spent a lot of money. And time and blood and treasure. And right? a lot of blood and a lot of treasure. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. No, fail. Right on that front. Was it like a complete failure in the sense that the American empire is going to collapse as a result of our failure there? No. I mean, is it's it on, like Afghanistan, or not Afghanistan, but uh, Vietnam, right? Where yeah, it's we were like we won all of the battles, but we still lost the war. Yeah. And that's, and that's coming down to the not understanding whether our objectives were feasible, right? We did not have a smart goal, right? Obtainable. Yeah. <laughs> Attainable, uh, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and uh, timely. Yeah, attainable and realistic. Not, we're not part of our goals right. there, right? Right. Um, and what an easy analysis. Why couldn't they do that in like two thousand four? Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and they they could have and they should have, right? Like someone someone smart should have zoomed way out and been yeah. like, let's fucking think about this for like 
let's take 20, 20 hounds minutes to think about this. Yeah. And is this even doable? Do I need to, con- do I need to consult with uh, Afghanistan uh, foreign policy expert real quick? Yeah. Cool. Give me the gouge. Yeah. That doesn't sound like it's fun. Are you telling me it's not doable? Yeah. doesn't sound doable to me. It doesn't sound like you're saying it's doable. Yeah. Let's, let's pump the fucking brakes on this. Right. Right. So someone should have fucking done that in 2004. I'll bet you there were a lot of people yeah. who were the right person with the right amount of authority needed to do that. Yeah. And the right amount of influence. Yeah. Bush himself, whoever, right? Like someone needed to pump the brakes on that. Yeah. Just like we were talking about how the generals aren't going to be the ones that pump the brakes on that stuff, generally speaking. Yeah. So the right, the right person high enough up needs to be the one. Uh, yeah. I wish there were more people that would like, cause like, I have to believe that there are American politicians that understood this. They're not all imbeciles. Right. Dude, I think I think a lot of people at that time period were were reeling from those like deep sub civilizational subconscious sure. things. And in the decades we've kind of like come down from the fight or flight and the the shock of that, right? Yeah. And we can look at it a little more soberly. But that that was punch drunk, man. Punch drunk for all the wrong reasons, too. A, a country that was a little more grounded in political history and political philosophy would not have done that, right? Uh, a little less intellectually arrogant yeah, would have been able to take that on the chin and Rocky Balboa that shit a little harder, yeah, right? And just, all right, cool. We're going we're gonna to take a measured response to this and we're not going to do this, right? Like right. 2,000 people on the grand political stage is unfortunately a drop of water. Yeah. In terms of you know what how we react to stuff, it's not insignificant. It's not nothing. It's a big fucking deal, but it's not that big of a fucking deal. Well, dude, I've, I'll, I'll and that's cold. Like, I know that's cold. I know that's fucking cold. But it's it is what it is, uh-huh. right? You got to be able to look in terms of fucking numbers like that when you're a leader like that. You can't just be a fucking emotional little bitch. But that's that's not. I don't think they were. I think they were more looking at the the next election season. And about the, in, power. The, the initial, yeah, like like throughout this whole thing, this is all about playing. Like I said later we on, we don't yeah. give a shit about Afghanistan. We didn't really care. We cared about it as a tool for local, like national politics. That's it, not international politics. Mm. And like so, so we get like yeah. yeah, that's happening. It's not that big of a threat. They're not like killing a thousand people a day. Yeah, and that, well, know, that whatever. And that just goes to political courage and people being scumbags. Correct. At the top. Correct. And like, why can't we get guys at the top that are willing to fall on their swords and just take this? Be like, this is this is wrong and I'm fucking fixing it now because I'm in a position of power to do so. And I'm making it happen and come at me. For whatever you got, I don't care. Send the spears why, to me. Why don't people quit the Air Force when and they like that paycheck? <laughs> yeah. Well right. Why don't why don't talented people who have a lot of problem with the Air Force and Leave. Life momentum is a big thing, man. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, right? It, it happens to Supreme Court it, politicians. It happens to Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Why don't they retire when they should so that, like, they can ensure that they will get a nomination and time it right with the right guy that's, yeah. like, in their like political just, veins? Just, Justice Breyer yeah. is doing that right now, right? Yeah. And, but 
like the reason the court went from left to right or rgb should have quit earlier yeah and <laughs> yeah. right like you know or stuff RBG, like rather. but like right what are they gonna do when you leave here you spend your whole life working here right yeah i mean i think a very human thing lies at the end of this discussion with with respect to that right you got a human being who spent his whole life trying to be in this role and like someone else has created this problem is he gonna throw it out the fucking window right now and start over as a fucking you know some other business your yeah walk of life that he spent you know just give up these 30 years of his life the best part of his life yeah i don't know man uh i think it's easy to and then it's easy to tell yourself that you can affect it from the inside rather than the outside when really you should just walk away right and that's i think yep. you get a lot of people who make that calculus in the end like that they rationalize it right like well someone else is going to be appointed who will support it if I walk away. So maybe I can like do my, the best good to help try to contain this thing by not walking away. Right. Cause my replacement, they're just going to get someone who's all in who, who's really about it. Right. Yeah. And then they rationalize it. And then, I mean, there's some truth. Like if you, you're not going to be able to change the system from outside, it's not going to happen. Well, enough of, people need to be willing to walk away. Yeah. Right. To, and, uh, to wake someone up. Right. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's what happens is there's a very human, like, that's why, that's why I brought up RBG in the Supreme court is, I mean, you don't know exactly why, but I suspect, right. That she didn't retire earlier because what are you going to do for your last 10 years of your life? Or you could, <laughs> right. Just Her go to the gym. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when you were part of the greatest juridical body in the, yeah. In the history nothing of, else. In the, in the whole world. Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just waiting to die. Right. <laughs> right. Like, right. Like, really? Like, you, right. To admit to yourself that it's all relatively downhill from here. Yeah. Right. In terms of your career. I think there's a thousand little human decisions like that that happen to make something like Afghan, like between, if you're going to look at it from the politicians and the policy advisors and why people aren't quitting and dropping on their swords. Yeah. I think there's a thousand little human decisions that get made by a thousand different people when they get to up to that point that result in that. Right. Um, so finally, let's, let's try and bring this home. Do you think we're going to learn? Uh, what did we, yes. did we learn anything and how do we translate that into like blossoming conflicts, perhaps in Ukraine? So, like, it's hard to say from Afghanistan per se, but I think after two decades of getting our shit pushed in, <laughs> well, on a variety of fronts, right? Yeah. Like, clearly, we've made some mistakes with China, right? And how we approach them, what we've given them, yep. how we've, our relative openness, the interlocking of our economies, and, and what their approach is, right? They're never going to do They've got like us. a, they, they have like a noose around our neck. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and we got a noose we'll around We'll talk about that too. later. And we got a noose around theirs too, but it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's complicated, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. not, not doomsday, but like, yeah, we got big fucking problems. Right? We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, but clearly some shit's not working right there <laughs> and stuff went off the rails with China. Stuff's gone off the rails with Ukraine and, and Russia um, one of the key quotes I want to bring up with the Crimea, right, with the Crimea, invasion of Crimea, yeah, was it John Kerry got up and said, this is an 18th century act, or 19th century act in a 21st century world, right? Um, 
what? Huh? <laughs> like what? You don't remember that? No. Like I don't. I don't no, no. I'm not saying what in that context. I'm saying I feel like you're missing the point, man. Like so, the point is that right? He's he was echoing that that hegemonic nineties. Yeah, yeah. Con- yeah, you're bogged down in like old history shit. Right. The idea that everything's going to democratize. Right. That the history of the world is not power politics. Big, powerful countries bullying smaller countries into getting what they want within their means, right? Without overstepping, right? Yeah. And that is the the grand game, right? The Game of Thrones, one might say, right? <laughs> but no, but like the the game, the, the grand the grand game of of the grand strategy in politics, right? Grand strategy, grand politics. All right, is is the, and that's the history of the world. Um, I think we've taken enough punches. Afghanistan being one of them. That I'm a little bit and right and our the changing rhetoric around China right yeah. that the United States has uh, in the previous f- uh, five years has started to change the way that we talk about China and starting to at least recognize that it's not going to be chill right yeah and it's not going to be a happy ending or like we're not going to be best buddies right on the democracy train holding hands under a rainbow they have a completely different objective and and they're. They're they're playing an infinite game. I'll th- I'll give it to you. All right, we'll just uh, <laughs> they're they're playing an infinite game, and we need to think likewise, right? Yes. The, uh, um, I so I don't think it's just Afghanistan, but I think Afghanistan when you accumulate kind of the realizations about where the nineties post World War Two complacency or post World War Two post Cold War as well complacency have led us yep. in kind of our splendor. I mean, Richard the third, uh, Richard, the Lionheart. See Richard the third. No, that's Richard the first. Oh, Richard the third is a Shakespeare play. He was also a, a plantagenic King. Okay. He, uh, the play though, by Shakespeare, he talks about, uh, our stern alarms cause they, they won a civil war and then installed Richard the Third's brother is yeah. the king, right? Our stern alarms have changed to merry meetings, right? And basically, he's complaining about the complacency that and the happiness and the idle summer time. <laughs> we're right, having too much fun, war. huh? We're yeah, and we're not fun. and we're not thinking about future. We're not thinking about strategy. We're just changing, yeah. right? I mean, Richard the Third wants to be king, right? And he's about to hew his way with the bloody axe through his brothers and his fathers, and betray and murder them all to become king, and he does. Um, yeah. And then he gets killed himself, right? Um, but the um, this is so often the case. Yeah, and it's so great. It's great. It's great. The protagonist is the villain. It's yeah. it's an amazing play. The um, the we have started to realize that we have been in a period of merry meetings and an idle summer following our stern alarms. Yeah, and we need to wake the fuck up. We've taken a bunch of little hit or a bunch of hits. I think Afghanistan is one of those punches, but I don't think anybody's drawing any direct references from Afghanistan without the larger kaleidoscope of yeah uh, the larger mirror, the larger tapestry or blot painting of all of the different fuck ups that have happened in the last twenty years. Are just like oh yeah, this is fucked, and we this <laughs> Russia. You got problems with Russia too. That's not going anywhere. Russia's still invading things. They don't give a shit. Power politics is still on the table. Okay, I guess we can. Wh- John Kerry can whine about a nineteenth century act in the twenty first century world, but yeah. but how are you? Gonna, the, how are you going to counteract? Yeah, that but at the, at the like, end of the day, like 
yeah, it's still fucking happening and we don't have interest. So I guess yeah, interest in local power and geopolitical strategy, like all yeah. that's still on the meats back on meat. That's meat still on the menu, boys. Like that's not gone anywhere. And yeah. we're fucking kidding ourselves if we're not. So I think it's that well, whole thing. We're all taking it together to reorient towards that. I think with, say, Ukraine, we are going to have a very limited response to whatever happens. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Right? But uh, yeah, as, as well, should we be. should. We yeah. don't have the resources to stand up to a, a serious nation state like Russia over this little spot, right? Yeah. Um, at best, we would be able to like marshal some NATO forces and, you know, roll some European armies up in there and try and hold off. But I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Right, Russia's gonna Russia's gonna get what they want out of this, um, long term, and we should just like be smart enough to accept that in the short term. Like, yeah. I know that there's this longer game we're trying to play to democratize the world, all that stuff. But mm. you've got to take some losses here and there, like give give in this area so you can gain in another area, and play this like larger, longer, infinite game, if you will. Bruce um, Bruce Lee be like water. Yeah. Right. Like, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like let, let the blow come and turn it around later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's a, there's a funny thing about being like yeah. the most Thro- throwing a temper tantrum over every little anti-democratic thing that happens in the world is a quick way to have your empire implode. Right. Yeah. So we have to be able to play the long game, except yeah. I agree. And, and stay I agree the course. You. Right. Yeah. I agree. With um, you. If we if we if we think that it should it's got to happen it's got to be the way we want it it's got to be this way now with no setbacks. That's how things like Afghanistan happen. How long until we get into another Afghanistan like situation? Oh, twenty uh, years or thirty years? Thirty. Thirty. Because Vietnam to Afghanistan was, I don't know, twenty five years. Right. We left. What? We left Vietnam in seventy five. 1975. Yeah, was, okay. Yeah, sorry. And then 2001, so we'll call it 26 years, we were into another conflict like that with a bunch, whole bunch of other like small, silly bullshit. Yeah, I mean, between. there'll be squabbles and things and little conflicts. Yeah. I think anything that's like a long-term, many years over commitment, I hope not. Hopefully we, zero, we, right? We might not. Yeah. I don't think it would happen before 30 years if it's going to happen. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying. Is there... So a lot of this has to do, I think, with political old heads, right? Like every year, the president just keeps getting older and older and older, right? And the senators just keep getting older and older and older, and we keep voting in incumbents. Okay, yeah. So This is a problem, yeah. <laughs> it's a serious problem. But they they will start dying, and the people that are going to replace them so at some point you're gonna you're gonna yeah, get Josh Holly and you're gonna get a competition thing. between yeah. some forty year old dude who spent you know did three tours in Afghanistan, and some sixty five year old dude who didn't do dick. Yeah, right? Instead of rise of the fighter generals, it's rise of the people that don't need Viagra. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and like in time, these perspectives will change. And you sent me an article where it like basically states that like. The author is just hoping and like would be much more respectful of our government if they could just accept the fact that we aren't this, you know, nineteen ninety five global power that over over everything and accept the fact that they were transitioning into a multipolar world and not really do anything about the Ukraine. 
That's that's the wrong way to say it. It's just Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, right. So, but so we'll slowly start getting more and more politicians to do that, and then in time, all these people that grew up post nine eleven will some of them will maneuver their way into politics and change their perspective. They won't come into it with this. America is fucking amazing. Yeah, and then we Attitude, could just push. Right? We could just push NATO. We can just blithely push NATO all the way up to the border of Russia, right? Which causes severe security and yeah. things for them, right? Uh, without thinking about like the consequences of you know equal and opposite political reactions, right? right? Um, with that, with that level of arrogance, yeah, I think our ability to our politicians, because I don't think it's the general's job, right? The generals might understand us. But they're not going to, right? I, I think we can rely on generals to be the ones to carry the water here in our political system anyway because yeah. the generals aren't the decision makers, which is a good thing. We have to have political thinkers, our politicians ultimately, and the people that are their most trusted advisors with the people they pick, right? So it's really the, the, the politicians themselves. Yeah, They need to be able to accept allowing things like Crimea and the Ukrainian stuff to happen with some grace going forward, right? To, without, without, without panicking and throwing a temper tantrum that the democratization project is not happening and is doomed, right? To, and understand that there's a much more, have a more uh, flexible, malleable understanding of the game that we're playing yeah. rather than just... We are a tsunami of democratization. <laughs> We're just going to sweep the world. <laughs> yeah, and any incursions back the other direction are intolerable and against our entire worldview and yeah. can't even breathe. It's pearl-clutching time, right? Uh, we can't have people who are that simple-minded and, and singular in their vision of how all this works that, that aren't accepting the messiness of how progression like that happens. Yeah. Or, or, or just how politics, inter, inter, international grand politics is. Um, we're, yeah, we're going to have to get into, accept a multipolar world where we're going to have to let shit go and be okay with that. And hold on to the, you know, and be very deliberate about what matters to us. Yeah. And I mean, we already do do that to a certain extent, like right with Crimea, what we're probably going to do with Ukraine, right? And what we do with other things, Supply too. Supply a couple weapons yeah. and help some people but not commit any of our we, actual forces. Yeah, we can't, uh, we can't redo Afghanistan for, for so, so much for so little, I think, is the... So much for nothing. Yeah. So much for one body. Yeah. I think is what it comes down to, right? We got Osama bin Laden dead in Pakistan, no less, right? Yeah, the spec ops mission into Pakistan. I mean, so that spec ops missions did launch from Afghanistan out of Afghanistan. So sure. you know, did they have to? I don't know, right? <laughs> sure, but so much, so much, so much for one body, right? Yeah, is is really what Afghanistan is. Uh, well, over to you, Muff. Yeah, that's it's basically it's a long travesty. Ultimately, all right, so. I personally loved it. It's interesting that, like, what was great about this conflict and the the perspective of an RPA guy is that it was a low enough intensity conflict that it allowed for remotely piloted aircraft to slowly start to blossom. The question that I 
Yeah, but did it did it in the minds of the generals and the budgeteers, if you would? Yeah, did it calcify our perception as being only in the desert? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Which I which I also don't think is true, right? Speak, uh, I think we have the ability to be useful in 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 the GPC in all kinds of different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah as see episode one. And, yeah, and we and we totally do. Um, but that's the fear I have is that people who are not as intimate with the platform just yeah. know that this was a plane that can be jammed that did a lot of shit in the desert in these coin casts yeah. theaters. And so fuck that plane. But if we right. had gone right into non-permissive environments, right? Like the RPA, the, the burgeoning little RQ one never would have gotten off the ground and become this complex aircraft capable of so much more. Right. No, we showcased what it could do to the extent Correct. that it could do it. Yeah. Correct. So it's both the, Mostly a blessing. Got to worry about the perception on the back end. But, right. But mostly, right, like, yeah, because the RPA is a brilliant capability that we pioneered. Yeah. We, we act, this is actual innovation. Right? But it needed Afghanistan. Yeah, it needed Afghanistan to, yeah. And, you know, Middle Eastern conflicts and permissive environments to, to grow and to blossom and to gain some spotlight and become a, thing so much that they created an entire AFSC around it right yeah. um and, so pers- in- and personally I loved it like the opportunity to be a like a legit combat aviator and and employ yeah. real world uh, was an opportunity I didn't think I was going to have right agnostic of maybe the cause uh was a politically strategically foolish one yeah but at least like tactically I got to get involved with some of that stuff uh I'm actually really grateful for yeah, uh, to have 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 flown like legit combat missions and employed weapons, which a lot of my fellow pilot training people have not and will not, even though they train every day for it. Right, <laughs> so it's 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 uh, you know, like there were there were two dudes out of my pilot training class that made it to T thirty eights and ostensibly onto fighters. One became a fape, and one went on to something else. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. As, as the RPA guy coming out of my UPT class, I was like the first and like only person who's employed weapons and yeah. <laughs> really done the business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, that was always a point of pride for me too. So, that, I mean, yeah. Uh, Afghanistan, I have like a, a personal memories and they've shown enough, but I uh, have to keep in sight, I think, as, as officers, as. People, you know, in, in our own small way, right? We're not just tacticians. We can't say no, right. per se. We still we have a duty to actively think about this, so that when if if and when we are ever in positions of influence, you can or just in a position now, to make that decision, right? Yeah, or or just to write about it, make a decision, or or talk about it to help influence, right? Yeah, you need to have your brain switched on and be at least thinking for yourself about. Does this make sense? Right? Yeah, so not be so focused just on the tactical low-level bullshit about how cool this is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think that draws us to a close, man. I think we hit this pretty hard. And I'm, th- and yeah. I'm, th- and I'm thinking most, other, we, most we, other people aren't talking about it like this. <laughs> are we Are we, uh, we pulling out of Afghanistan yeah, now? Yeah, I think we're, I think we're we, pulling out of this po- the Afghanistan podcast. The Lost Link podcast is pulling out of Afghanistan and calling it a day. Uh, putting that one to bed um, 
we will revisit geopolitical shenanigans with China and potentially Russia as well down the line at some point. So yeah. the Lost Link podcast is going to be giving you our amateur yet reasoned hot takes on all of this stuff in the future. And I think we have some more grounded subjects to hit in the near future. Uh, so look forward to that, guys. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll uh, catch you guys next time. See ya. Don't know where